Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. Now we're going to shift gears and bring in my friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger, who's an infectious disease doctor from Memorial, who's been on the show so many times. It's been a while since we visited. And the reason why is because things as it related to Delta were really manageable and it subsided to, to a great extent. Now we see Delta taking some northern states by storm, but that's not the case here. If you go do a search, though, in uh, just any major news source, the Omicron is being talked about widely now, and you would think that the sky is falling. So what I want to do, what I like about my conversations with Dr. Nicholas Conger is we take all that 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 um, <laughs> that horn blowing that the national media is doing, and we try to make sense of it, we try to bring some common sense to the conversation. But before we go any further, let me just say welcome back, Nick. It's good to see you, my friend. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me back. So what I want to do is, okay, I want to do this in a couple of different stages. Um, we'll come to Omicron in just a second. Um, I want you to give an de- update on Delta. I have some questions about about the booster that are probably practical questions you get every single day. And then I want to remind people, and I'll, I'll come back to this in a second, remind people what you said all along that because you're an infectious disease doctor, you understand this, that mutations are expected and that as time goes on, your hope is that they will be maybe less severe. We'll come we'll come back to that in just a second. But it does appear that Omicron sort of fits into that framework that you have been talking about from the beginning of the show. So we'll come back to that in just a second. What's the latest as it relates to Delta? Okay, so, um, well, yeah, let's do the latest as it relates to here, I guess, with Delta being the predominant strain. So, you know, we enjoyed a good month or so with hardly any cases, and which is crazy, you know, Ricky. We had a, 120 patients in our hospital every day for about a month at the peak of the Delta outbreak here. Um, and, you know, and then we had maybe one a week, you know, and so, but now we're seeing a slight uptick. We're seeing, and we have three or four people in the hospital. Uh, fortunately, none of them are super, super ill. None of them are in the ICU dying, which is good. And so I think that we talked about, you know, it might be a little bit of a bump in the winter. Um, and I think we're getting maybe the beginning of that. Um, <clears throat> I do think there's a lot of quote unquote herd immunity, which we've talked about, where a lot of people either recently had Delta or their vaccination status has enough immunity to where I don't think we're going to see anywhere near the bump we saw before. And almost all of these cases we're seeing are related to travel uh, during Thanksgiving. So, Wow. So again, not to be unexpected, particularly if you see what's happening north of us. Um, I mean, there's some dire situations coming out of some some northern states, but they, you know, they did not have the bump we were having early on, but they're seeing it now, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. And so what I think that, you know, and we need to keep this in mind, like, not, not only is every strain different, but the way it impacts each community is going to be different. There's not one size fits all. I think the Delta hit us harder and faster because we had a much more unvaccinated population and it was so contagious that it just ran through the unvaccinated population. And then you had some breakthrough cases and some vaccinated folks, which Delta had more than the original variant. Um, and so, and then we had this huge peak and then it died away. It's a very different 
in places where there's higher vaccination percentages. So if you're 80, 90 percent population vaccinated and you're still going to have those breakthrough cases, but the momentum is going to be much slower. The peak is going to be later um, because, you know, because the vaccinated patients make it a slower process, if you will. Now, they should still have less deaths. Um, and, and less hospitalizations because they have a higher vaccinated population to begin with. Uh, but it's just going to be a, a different peak at a different time. Yeah, you still, it's interesting because I've been really focused on, as a result of what you guys have experienced there, Singing River Hospital System, same thing, really is an issue all across the state. This whole notion of nurses and this nursing shortage and what we need to do to deal with it. But you're seeing stories now being written uh, from, from states up north of us that are, are having the same issue. And this is, I, I think that this, this is one of the byproducts of COVID, something we're going to have to wrestle with. Okay. I want to shift gears a bit. Okay, now let's talk about vaccines. Of course, you have Moderna, you have Pfizer, you have J&J. I, I had a Pfizer. And in earlier conversations that you and I, I get two shots from Pfizer, also had COVID um, early on October 2020. I had Pfizer shots in, in March. Um, but that the studies are showing that Moderna tends to be more effective. Uh, than both J&J and Pfizer. Is that still sort of where we are? Um, yes, you know, and I think it has to do with the dosing. And again, um, you know, when people say, well, these were rushed out, and I, and I hesitate to use that language, they weren't rushed. There was safety studies done, but they didn't have the time you would normally take to get the exact dosing right, the exact interval between shots right. And so, you know, the Moderna is a much higher dose to begin with than the Pfizer. So it does make sense that it might work a little bit better, but you may also get a little bit more side effects because it's a higher dose. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me ask you the question that I have personally and my wife as well. If we got the Pfizer, the two shots for Pfizer, should we go get a Pfizer booster or can we get a Moderna booster and actually take it, you know, our protection higher? So I, I don't think it matters either way. And again, the studies haven't proven that uh, mixing it. So so I, there's enough data out there to show you that mixing and matching is not wrong and it's not bad. Um, it's probably better to get the booster with the same vaccine you got just for purity's sake, because you know you've had that shot, you've tolerated it before. And it also kind of helps when we when we analyze the data, like people who got this shot and got the same booster. Um, so, and I don't think there's enough evidence to say, yeah, you're gonna do better with this booster, so preferentially pick this booster out of the other. So I think they've kept it very generic because we just don't have enough data to with definitive answer tell you, yes, go get this booster over the other. So the recommendation is get the booster with what you had, but if you can't, if they don't have, if they don't have in stock or there's a shortage, it's okay to get a different one. Okay, so I'm a healthy 64 year old, I had had two Pfizer's and I've had COVID. Do I need to get a booster? Um, you want the Nick Conger answer or the CDC answer? You know, the CDC. I want the Nick Conger answer. So the CDC says get a booster. Um, I, I I think the people who've had COVID, again, these studies haven't been done. There there is a good broad immune response to having COVID, and I and I and I say that. I think that natural infection is better than vaccine if you compare them head to head. But vaccine's better if you've not had the infection because you don't want the infection. But if you've had COVID, I really think those patients need one booster and then we need time and data. I know a lot of people who've had the, the COVID who've had two a vaccine and then the second vaccine to get quote unquote fully vaccinated with Pfizer and Moderna and they have a lot of side effects. 
with that second shot. It seems to be unnecessary. It seems to be excessive. I know young, healthy people that miss work for a week with that second shot, again, after COVID. So yeah. I think that you probably are immune enough. Um, and so I wouldn't sweat it. You know, I think, again, we don't know the right interval for the booster. Um, I, I like intervals that make sense to me compared to other shots like a year you know i'm not sure why we're rushing to get three shots within a year so and i know that there's this push in the country to have as much you know uh antibody levels across the community as possible to try to stop all in every case um, but i think individually we haven't teased out what to do with people who've had covid Interesting, interesting dilemma, and it's, it has to do ultimately with the decisions you have to make within a very compressed amount of time that's best for the total population right. and based on the information that you have in front of you, which is why the CDC tends to play it a little bit safer, would you say? Yeah, they play it safer, and they, by nature of the business, they have to be one-size-fits-all, and it may not be that one-size-fits-all. In this case, I do wish that there was more attention paid to people who've already had COVID. I feel like we should have studies by now. Um, yeah. I, I saw a guy uh, just today or uh, yesterday for the first time who had a second infection, what I thought was a true second infection. That's actually pretty rare. It was an older gentleman who has some immune issues and it's been over a year since his first infection. So it is pretty rare to get that second infection. And it is so dependent on the immune system of the person. So if you said 64-year-old who's healthy. If you were a 64-year-old who had cancer and on chemotherapy, I would have given you a different answer. Um, so again, I think that people who've had natural infection, let me say this clearly, I think they should at some point get a booster because I don't want them to get a second infection, but the timing of that booster, it's unclear. Okay. Okay. So when you say booster, okay, you, you don't mean- Or get vaccinated. Initial get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get, yeah, get to vaccinated. Me, booster right. would be a third shot. Right. That's correct. And I, and I just yeah. confuse your audience. To me, getting a vaccine after a natural infection should really be considered a booster. I wish they looked at it that way. But yeah, no, I got I, we yeah. talk about getting the vaccine series. So thank you for, for clarifying. Yeah, for, for sure. Okay, now put your infectious disease doctor hat on for a second. Okay. Before we talk about Omicron, I want you to remind our audience what you've always said about the natural transgression uh, or progression, excuse me, of the mutations and what to expect. Talk to me about that. So, um, you know, viruses, bacteria, um, they are um, organisms that are interested in survival. Right? All organisms on Earth are interested in survival. And if you're a virus or a bacteria, if you are, if you're so aggressive and you kill your host, which is yes, us, they live in our bodies. If you kill your host or make your host so sick that that, that person who's sick doesn't want to go out, doesn't want to interact with others, then your transmission is going to go down, right? If someone gets so sick, they die or they stay in the room, if the virus won't transmit. And so okay. over time, these things tend to slowly attenuate such that uh, they spread more readily. So people are mildly ill, so they'll go out and spread it to others and, and they get less and less uh, aggressive over time. Let's do this. We'll come back after this break and we'll continue to talk about why that's important as it relates to Omicron. This is Dr. Nicholas Conger and we'll see you after the break. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I've really been looking forward to catching up with Dr. Nicholas Conger, an infectious disease doctor from Memorial, who's become a really good friend of mine over the last couple of years as we've explored learning as much as we can about this ever-changing uh, pandemic uh, around the world. I mean, a lot of inf- information is coming out of South Africa today as it relates to Omicron. But before we before we transition to a full-scale discussion about Omicron, I want to come back to what you were just saying, and that is that as this thing mutates, you you have said before and you just said that you would expect it to potentially become more contagious, but, but less severe. And uh, that's essentially what you said, correct? Right, correct. I mean, that that is, um, you know, that should be, I guess, the aspirational goal of every virus, right, is to be readily transmissible, but not deadly so that it spreads, because that's the generally the, the goal of nature is to, is to propagate itself. Okay, so so what we're hearing out of South Africa, and what's amazing to me is the CDC waits on all this specific kind of proof in the meantime, they continue to sound the alarm and do these travel advisories and all this stuff. You look at Matt, if you put, turn on any of the major media today, you would think that the sky is about to fall again. And, and the early data coming out of South Africa is not, it's certainly that this is very contagious, just as you just pointed out, but that the cases of severe cases is down. Right. So how do you view what you currently know about Omicron. So, um, you know, what you just said is what I am seeing and reading. I'm, I'm trying to to see and look at and watch uh, from the people who are, are seeing it on the ground. And I was, uh, I was you know, kind of um, shocked when I heard, um, you know, one of the directors, like a kind of like a local health department official in South Africa speak, because it was in stark contrast to what we were hearing in the media. And that person was essentially saying that the cases were identified because they were so mild. Um, they were testing positive for COVID without pulmonary symptoms and without GI symptoms. And those have been the two most prominent symptoms, you know, the shortness of breath, the pneumonia, and then the not feeling like eating and drinking. They were patients who were presenting with, I just don't feel well, and I'm tired and fatigued. And then they got better quickly. And so even that person was saying, I don't now, of course, they, you know, they don't want their country to be isolated from the rest of the world. But that person was saying, I don't know why these um, these uh, first world countries are are shutting us down. This is so mild. Yeah. Attention is so mild, you know, and then, you know, again, the the devil's advocate answer to that is, oh, we don't know what it would do in, a, in an older population because there's more older people here than there are in South Africa. Okay, we don't know what it would do, I guess, for a broader, older population, but I don't think that we have anything to suggest that we should assume the worst. Uh, but that's the posture you see public health officials take. Well, we need to assume the worst. Um, yeah. So I don't know why a virus would be super mild in young people and super deadly in old people, uh, just kind of out of the blue, you know. So I, I think a wait-and-see approach is better uh, than sounding the alarm because you know what if they sound the alarm too loud on this and it not only ends up being nothing but it ends up being something that might actually be good to have a, a contagious strain that's kind of like the common cold then i don't think people will listen to them again yeah there is a whole cry wolf phenomenon that could play out here and just seems to me they're overly playing it safe unfortunately right 
that's the way it's set up. I mean, this is just the way it's set up. South Africa has been sort of punished because they've been very aggressive in understanding mutations and strains. And right. it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because we, we, we would take their evidence on the existence of Omicron, but then we wouldn't really flesh out what their actual experience is as it relates to Omicron so that we could maybe have a bit softer reaction to the to this darn thing. Um, I, you know, what's, you know, for public health officials, what's the best approach here? Right. You know, and that's why, you know, I, I think I would take a different approach, uh, but I respect the people who are in that position. But I would always just, you know, like you say, talk about the science, say, hey, this is what's going on. Um, you know, it's spreading among unvaccinated young people, but it's really mild and we need to watch and see. I, I, I just I feel bad. You know, it's just I, I'm not sure where we got this idea even that well and this is more politics than science but the federal government can stop a virus from spreading i mean the federal government can, can do policies they can ensure encourage research on vaccines uh they can help facilitate making of masks and things like that but i, I don't think mankind can shut down the spread of a, of a respiratory virus unless you just lock people in their homes and and, and seal them shut so I, I, I think giving people the right information and saying we're going to watch it and we'll deal with it as it comes. I like how Pfizer says, hey, we can within 100 days, we might be able to make a strain specific booster. Hey, that's great. You know, that's the sort of thing that I think the government should get in. Uh, uh, they shouldn't downplay it, but they, they shouldn't uh, overreact either. So some some um, some some scientists are saying of Omicron that because it spread so quickly, that it could actually displace Delta. Uh, in a short time we have left, is that possible? Yeah, that's possible. You know, whatever is the more contagious strain will will definitely can definitely take over the one before. And as I said, if, if people are less ill, then they're more likely to interact and, and spread yeah. it unknowingly. But yeah. that may not be a bad thing. I want to remind your audience of the last minute we have here that that there are four or five seasonal coronaviruses that are quote unquote common colds that cause the sniffles and make you feel bad for a day or two. That's the normal coronavirus. So this is this one is special. So if this one evolves into a mild common cold that's contagious, then that's kind of good. That's kind of what coronaviruses have been historically. I hope that's the case. We could be yeah. wrong. This thing has surprised us. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, we should not take Omicron with a with a uh, with you know an ounce of salt we should really pay attention and right. maybe a grain of salt uh, we should uh, be very careful and pay attention to what people are telling us but this right. is some practical advice from Dr. Nicholas Conger we'll see you again soon as this thing ramps up and see where we are sounds good great talking to you again Ricky uh, okay buddy take care right. have a great day Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.